Do you believe that anyone can be funny? I have had people come to me and call me and tell me they have really crippling anxiety and depression and they heard that improv will help get through that. A lot of comedy comes out of sadness. They're very closely related. If you were to say something to someone who's thinking about doing, whether it's improv, trying a new hobby, something mm -hmm. outside of their comfort zone, what would you say to them? Quick side note for context, this interview was recorded back in October and I posted the full vlog from my experience trying improv over on YouTube. So if you wanna check that out after you listen to this interview, go do that. Second thing, is a little update. Once I launch season two officially of this podcast, the name and the branding will be changing a bit. So stay tuned. But for today's episode, we really dive into improv and its essence as a performing art. We talk about how it can help with healing and self-development, how you, you can face and overcome your fears on your own. We talk about how comedy relates to self-awareness. And we also talk about and answer the big question, can anyone be funny? And obviously much, much more. So without further ado, let's jump in. What's up guys and welcome back to another episode of The Passion Project. Today, as you can see, we're somewhere different. I am in a theater, the improv stage, I guess you might call it, of where I am currently taking classes with the wonderful Carolyn Ramsey, who is our guest today. I wanted to do this interview because for the past five weeks, five six weeks, weeks yep. I've been taking improv classes and this is my first time ever trying improv and it's been quite the journey and so I wanted to share a little bit of that journey with you guys and kind of talk about some of the ways that it can help you and all the ways it's interesting. So whether you have heard of improv, you're an expert at improv, or you have no idea what it is. I think you could get something out of today's interview. Yes. A little bit about Carolyn, our wonderful guest today. She is my teacher, like I said, and she has been doing improv for seven years. Yep. She has been around musical theater her entire life, so she knows what she's doing, I think. As far as you know, Hallie, I'm an expert. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> she's yeah. an expert. Okay, sure. so Carolyn, welcome. Thank to the you. Project. It's fun to be here with you, Hallie. So what made you get into improv? Um, it was a complete accident. Um, two of my kids were in finishing high school. One was out, one was still in. And I became very good friends when they were in school with their theater teacher. She's amazing, good friend of mine. She stopped teaching high school because after 25 years she was done. Didn't blame her. Um, and she said, I want to teach an adult improv class and come be in the class. To which I replied, no, I don't do improv. Why would I want to do that? I don't do that. So I said, I'll come, I'll help you. I'll sign your people in. We'll take it from there. And I was sitting on the side and she had a class of people, including um, my daughter who was just out of high school, my son who was a senior, and she let some of her former students come in. And when she said, would I get up and do something with another friend, Kathy, I didn't want to say, you don't say no in improv, Hallie. So I didn't want to say no. And I thought, okay, I'll do this. So she gave us a scenario and Kathy and I did a scene and everybody laughed and I didn't die. And I thought, this is kind of fun. So I, we took her classes for a little while and I kept going and I told myself I was helping a friend and I was kind of falling in love with it. And uh, after we did that for a few weeks and I said to her, what, what do we do next? Like, where do we take this? And she said, I don't know. So I Googled Improv St. Petersburg and this theater, which had a different name at the time, came up and I've been literally been coming to this theater ever since that month that we came here the first time. Yeah. 
Okay, so I wanna I wanna set the scene for anybody who doesn't know mm -hmm. what improv is. I think, for me at least, the first right. thing that comes to mind is the whole yes and thing. Like yeah. you said, you're not supposed to say no right. in improv. Right. If someone tells you you're gonna transform into a beetle, you're probably gonna transform into a beetle. That you, happened to me last week. In my class, you will. Yes, <laughs> it is. It's it's. I mean, it's a it's a form of comedy. Um, it's been around for a long time. There's some grandfathers of it. If people look up people like Del Close and others, um, started in a lot of cities where it's it's improvisational comedy. Is it's and then there's you know the old Italian style of of comedia della arte, and it's it's been around for hundreds of years, honestly. But it's a form of comedy where everything is made up. There is no script, and there's different forms of it. Um, what I'm teaching you guys in class is short form. Um, it's uh, game-based. People have seen the TV show Whose Line Is It Anyway? A lot of the games we play and the games, and I think I've told you guys, if you go anywhere in the world, the games we're playing, you will see played in other places. Um, there's variations to the games, but it's all made up on the spot. Um, yes, and it's just scenes are more fun and more compelling if the characters are in agreement. And, and as you know in class, if people just start arguing, the scene sort of dies. So that's the yes and. If yes, this is true, and what else could be true, and now you're storytellers. So like- The first thing that came to my mind that I feel like is the most generally relatable is the movie Just Go With It. I was oh, thinking okay. about that movie, and I'm like, that whole movie is just a long improv scene. I mean, I'm sure yeah. it's scripted, but- Right. There's a lot of movies that have been made that where a good majority of it is improvised. And there are some actors, I always think of Robin Williams, where they would say, here's your characters, here's the end result, go. Mm -hmm. Because it was easier to do that than to rein him in. Yeah. Um, so it is about agreement and it's, it's listening. Improv is something that we do almost every single day. You're having conversations with strangers. Um, that's the thing that I found, that's one of the things I found most interesting about it is mm -hmm. like how applicable it is to daily life. It is. And I think a lot of people think of it as, you know, oh, I have to be a performer. No, you, no, not at all. I mean, everybody has a performative side to them whether we think about it or not. You know, we don't all go to work wanting to be that person at work all day. We have faces we have to put on for work. We have faces we kind of have to put on in families and now in public and different things. So, you know, if you're having a conversation and you're the kind of person who chats with someone in the grocery store, you're improvising. Improvising is, is truly just making it up on the spot. So, and a lot of the people who take our classes never end up coming to this stage to perform. It's not their goal. It's, I wanna be more comfortable talking to strangers. I'm really shy. I've had people come to me and call me and tell me they have really crippling anxiety um, and depression. And they heard that improv will help get through that. And I can usually talk them through, and I've had people come through and graduate this class, and that's where they started. Just, I just, people will say, I just wanna watch. I, I don't wanna get up and do it. And there is something about it that tends to draw people in. Mm -hmm. so. A lot of what you said I want to go deeper on because I think the psychology behind it is mm -hmm. really interesting and how you, how you mentioned like we all put on some sort of mask sure. throughout the day, whether sure. we realize it or not. E even as a genuine person, there's times that you do that. Yeah, it exactly. does, It's not about yeah. being phony or, you know, but we have to get through a day and a week <laughs> and yeah. a life and there's times where you do that. So something that happened for me that it was very closely related to that, is mm -hmm. when I became aware of the fact that 
we all kind of wear a mask to a degree. Sure. I got really like anxious about it and insecure about it. I'm like, I don't want to wear a mask, but then, and so I would almost, I almost reverted to this state of just like being like blah all the time because I didn't want to be this like more higher energy version of myself. Sure. And this is something I found through the creation process. So somebody who's feeling that way, like me, for example, mm -hmm. like how can you use that to your advantage? Like the, in, in a positive way, you, the mask. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not always a, the bundle of sunshine you see before you or that shows up in class. <laughs> None of us are. I mean, I mean, I mean, literally, there are times, you know, I, I think I've mentioned to you before, there's times where I'm here Thursday night and Friday night. Well, I have a day job. And Thursday especially, it's tough. Um, I had to be here Thursday night for a show that didn't start at 9 o'clock. That's like, might as well be the middle of the night to me sometimes. Yeah. So I'm in the car and I'm on my way and I don't always feel like I want to come and I want to do a show even as much as I love this like it's part of what I am it's a good part of who I am at this point but I don't always want to be here but I mean I tell you guys follow your feet start to do something and the attitude and the personality sometimes comes along and and then some people will say well fake it till you make it once I get here and I don't walk in with the way I felt in the car. I kind of walk in. I'm ready to be here. I've got castmates. I'm not going to be anyone or anything that pulls other people down. So I do come in happy and upbeat and in a mood that says I really want to be here. Yeah. The beauty of doing that is eventually your feelings will follow that. Mm -hmm. You know, take the action. Make the move. Take a class that you maybe don't want to take. And you will bring your feelings with you. Mm -hmm. There's an intentionality that I try to apply to life and no matter what I'm doing, whether I feel like doing it at the moment or not. I have three kids. I didn't always want to wake up and be mom, <laughs> but I put that face on. And then when you wear the face and you start to do it and you get the feedback from my children or I get the feedback from my coworkers or my castmates, the feelings will start to match the face. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. And it's interesting to fully like more elaborate on what I was getting at there is when I first started creating content, mm -hmm. I was always being this very high energy version of myself. Mm. And that burnt me out after a while because it's like, I'm not always like no, that. Nobody's right? always. I was playing yeah. a character, but when I look back on it, it was, it was almost method acting because I didn't know what it was at the time. So I was just like this high energy character all the time. Right. And eventually I got burnt out and I was to this point where I'm like, is that me? Right. Like, what is, what, what is that? And so through creating content, I've had to kind of dial it back to the intention behind it. Right. Why am I being this character at this time versus not being in this character and just kind of being like, well, maybe I'm in a bad mood today. Maybe yeah. I'm in a quiet mood today and I'm not like, woo. And that's the okay. Time, you know? There's, I mean, as a genuine person, you have different moods. And I think to be a genuine person, and especially I think with what you're doing, letting those different sides of you come forward is only going to make people want to watch you. It makes you more relatable. You know, I think if somebody, if, if I came in and I was just a weird smile and happy all the time, then nobody really gets to know like, me is she either. Okay? Yeah, exactly. Well, I do get asked that, but for different reasons. But um, you want people to get to know who you really are, right? But there are times where you, at work, I, I can't just be mean because I'm in a mood. <laughs> I have people who work for me. I have clients that come in. So there's times where we just have to step up. I, the mom in me comes out. Sometimes you just have to step up and be a grown-up. You know, life doesn't wait. From the moment you hit this planet, this is it. There's no dress rehearsal. 
So, and that's one of the reasons I encourage people. I have people that are closer to my age who um, kind of have stopped doing anything. I'm only in my late 50s. I don't think we have to be real specific, but anyway. And, and they don't, they go to work or they go home. About 34. Thank you, God bless you. Thank you for loving, me. well, you pay for my class and you're still willing to lie for me, I love it. But um, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna learn? What are you gonna try? I think we put ourselves in circumstances that pull us kind of down. So get out, put on a new face and step forward, follow your feet. To, to that point, I think, and I don't know yet if this is actually relatable, mm -hmm. but when you think of the schooling system, and like you go through, you go through elementary, middle school, high school, and then, right. and then college is the typical path that you're gonna take. Sure. Activities are placed to such a high value. You know, there's theater, there's, there's sports. Sure. There's all these things you can get involved in so easily. It's like right in front of you. Almost to a fault, almost yeah. too much. To, and so something I struggled with Mm -hmm. when I graduated college is I'm like, now what? Right. What it like, is, is it just all over? And so I've kind of been rediscovering that th stuff like this is something that needs to be in people's sure. lives sure. all the time. And it doesn't just end. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we, wanna, we talk about our children being well-rounded, right? And, and sometimes you can overdo it. My kids were very active in How a lot of things. How many kids do you have, by the way? Just I have three. Okay. Jacob, Megan, and Nicholas. Um, yeah, they're adults now. They're young adults. My oldest is 26. My youngest is 23. And they were always involved in things, but I didn't have them in something every day. Because, you know, I do this because I get a chance to play. I think as adults, you forget it's okay to just play. You know, we, we talk about improv and, oh, I don't know if I can do that. And I think I reminded you in class, everybody remembered being a little kid. Everybody remembered getting together with their friends and saying, okay, I'll be a pirate and I'm going to take you hostage. And you were creating characters. You built a world. Um, you had dialogue that you made up and you just, you didn't write a script. You just played together. But as adults, I don't know what happens that somebody hands you a diploma for 16 plus years of school and then you just think it's work, work, work. Yeah, I'm an adult now. Yeah, and I often take things too serious. I actually recently wrote yeah. on a note card and put it on my, my desk, it's not that serious. And because it's easy yes. to, to take things too serious. And sure. I think that's something I did take away from improv because I remember the class the day you were talking about um, unlearning mm -hmm. the adultness of life and to just play and be a kid again. Exactly. And exactly. That, I think that takes the pressure off in a lot of situations. And, and there's some things that you have to figure out in life on your own. I was the same way. I got married and bought my first house when I was 20 because I thought, you know, home ownership and I had a good job and I worked in the kind of building I thought I wanted. I really cared about what this building looked like because I'm going I'm to work in this building and it's fancy. And then you get in and it's just a bunch of people in an office doing what they have to do to, to get through their lives. And I, I, I hate to say this to someone who's really young, but that's kind of, that's kind of life. But so so the, the question is, what do I do along the way to make it enjoyable? Because holding on to that little kid is a gift to give yourself and the people around you. Um, being able to play, being able to have that kind of fun, because it really, I think it makes you a healthier person. You know, yeah. um, There's a time to be serious though. There I mean, is. it's trust a tool. Me. Like everything, yes. everything is finding a balance. Sure, absolutely. For me, not for everybody, but for me, improv has played 
a big part of getting through. I remember when my, I was about to be an empty nester and like for six months I announced to everybody here, you people better hang out with me. Somebody better come over and I'm gonna be hanging out in the theater a lot more because I, it was weird. I had never lived alone in my entire life till my last, till my kids moved out. Yeah. And that was very weird. Now I kind of like it. Okay, so you mentioned you have a full-time job outside mm -hmm. of improv. Oh yeah. What is that? Talk about uh, I work for a staffing company. I manage uh, two offices for them in the Tampa Bay area. So I manage salespeople, I manage recruiters. So I'm dealing with clients of huge companies and I'm dealing with people looking for jobs who have had trouble even holding a job. So I take on and off a lot of different hats in the course of a day. You're, you're using the masks. <laughs> well, I do, and, and I and I I will honestly, very sincerely tell you, I've been in some form of sales, business sales, B2B sales, most of my life. I worked for the credit bureaus right out of school for a very long time, um, and you know, called on businesses. We were in Fortune 500 companies, and GMAC and Toyota Motor Credit were my clients and that type of thing. Um, then I stayed home for a long time when I had my kids. I went back into sales and I wasn't doing improv when I first went back. I started taking that class maybe a few years, five or six years into going back to work. And it, I can't tell you how much of a better salesperson it made me. I was just gonna say, when I was in college, this was my first encounter with improv. Mm -hmm. There was a little workshop where this girl came in and she talked about, I think it was called Improv to Sell. Oh yeah. And so we did a few yes and right. exercises. And I think it was one of the same ones we did in our class, like maybe the second week. And uh, it was all about how it applies to sales. So I guess, how does it, how does it apply to sales? It really does. Well, the very first week, the, and people kind of look at me strange, the first week of our improv class, if you remember, and it's a two hour class, the only thing we talked about with a group of adults is how to listen. Seems silly, seems like seems that should be simple. 10 minutes, but when we do the exercises and you have to listen to someone and be able to not only repeat back what they said, if you recall, but then add more content to it, that's selling 101, right? We, we jokingly say, you know, the first one to talk sometimes in selling loses. You've gotta be a great listener because this is the mistake salespeople make is they make a phone call and they say, hi, I am this person, I work for this company. I want to make an appointment with you and I wanna show you what I can do for you. Mm. And the customer on the other side, the only thing they're thinking is what is in this for me? I know what you want, what are you gonna do for me? Mm -hmm. So I think when I teach selling, which I do sometimes, you, you teach people to get into your client's operating reality. What do they need? What's their pain? Because sales is about filling a need and you're, you're fixing a pain. If you're not listening, you don't know what hurts. Mm -hmm. if, and that, that applies everywhere yeah. in life. And weird parallel, but I, I think that actually also ties into what you talked about earlier, how improv helps people with anxiety. Mm -hmm. Because I've noticed when I get really anxious, if I start to externalize things, yeah. so instead of thinking, oh my gosh, what am I gonna say? What am I gonna look like? What am I, what am I gonna do? Instead, Drop it, let me just listen. Exactly. What's outside of me? How can I get involved in their reality yeah. and not get so caught up in mine? We've all been in a conversation with somebody and you're talking to them and you're maybe pouring your heart out and they're not speaking, but the whole time they're, you, when someone is taking those breaths, when you're talking, they're looking for a place to talk. So they're not 
letting, listening and letting you finish and responding, they want to get their point out. So they say acting is reacting, right? And improv is listening and responding. If I don't listen to my scene partner in improv and I don't listen to all the information, because this is a brand new world. Neither of us have been in it until we step on that stage. If you start to speak and I don't listen to who you're telling me you are and where we are, then what I say back either isn't going to make sense or it just takes you forever to get where you're going. Mm -hmm. Isn't that a relationship? How many people sit on a counseling couch and say, he just doesn't listen to me, right? Communication and money, some of the biggest reasons for divorce. I love improv because when I'm on the stage, it's not my agenda. If I'm doing a scene with you, and I'm not always right about this, I do it wrong because I'm human, my goal is to make you look good. And if you're my scene partner and that's your goal, it's going to be a great scene. If I'm in a marriage and I'm 100% wanting what's best for you and you're doing the same thing, you're going to have a great life. Does it always work out that way? No. When people say marriage is 50-50, no it isn't. It's 100-100. Because if I'm only giving you 50% and I'm waiting for the other 50, something's missing. Same with an improv scene. That it's almost a relief. overly simple. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But in, in many regards, I think it's almost a relief to open up, let go, and kind of lean on the people around you. Yes. That's one of the things that was really, I don't want to say surprising, but um, I just really enjoy the team aspect of, of improv. Oh, absolutely. It's, um, and I think I've told you guys, and you'll see it when you do your showcase, in that backstage area, I've never ever done a show where we don't walk, before we walk on stage, every single one of us, whether there's a two-person team or there's six of us, where we touch each other and say, I've got your back. Mm -hmm. And some people say, well, that's just theater superstition. It's a thing you do. It's a reminder that when we're out there today, I've got your back. I'm listening, and if you get stuck in a scene, I'm going to do my best to pull you out. The beauty of it is, this is not Shakespeare. This is, this is not Shakespeare in the park. Nobody's doing anything. It's, it's fun and it's funny, but a lot of comedy comes out of sadness. They're very closely related. So to have a safe place, there's a lot of people that I perform with who have a lot of struggles in life. There's a lot of depression, clinical depression. I've struggled with depression. And this is a place that even though we're laughing, no matter what, somebody's actually got my back. That's, that's kind of what I love more. Even more about getting up and being funny, what keeps me doing that here is this community. community. Yeah, that's more than anything. Yeah. So can you think of a specific time that was maybe one of the best bonding experiences you've had with this group that kind of made you, you're like, you know what, we're a family. We have gone through a major, end of last year to this year, we went through a major ownership change. There was just a whole myriad of things. So we went from a group of five owners to we were down to one person owning the theater on paper who said, I just want to be a performer. I don't want to run a business. So we're probably last year thought we might shut down. Mm -hmm. And a group of us sitting at a table went, um, I don't think so. Let us do it. And we called a meeting and said, hey, if anybody thinks they might be interested in helping this theater continue and taking on a role, we're gonna have a meeting. It was standing room. Oh, it gets me emotional. It was standing room only in this room. And we passed around a piece of paper and said, tell us your skills and if you wanna volunteer. We needed more paper. 
That's what this is. So this is still a theater because a bunch of people said, I got two hours this week, what do you need? Um, another friend said, hey, I'll come paint. Let me repaint the theater. We do we need paint? I'll teach. I, I'm not a great teacher, but I'll share what I know. And that's what this is. I don't know why I'm emotional, <laughs> but that's, think about your family. It's a beautiful yeah. moment when you're in a time of need. Yeah. And when, strangers when and people. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, it's exactly what right. you said. That's the essence of improv is yeah. everyone having each other's backs because you're not always going to be strong. Enough. If that isn't the definition, I've got your back. I don't know what is. And then two people, Hadass and Andy, who came here, moved here to perform because they thought this will be fun and we're going to get out of the Pacific Northwest and it's warm here. <laughs> and now they're helping us run a theater. Surprise. <laughs> but we'd be lost without them. We'd be 100% lost because they brought um, decades of experience in improv out in the Pacific Northwest and other parts. They're in Spain doing improv right now at a festival. Wow. There are improv festivals all over the world. Another lady who performs with us, Teresa, went to the improv festival in Paris mm -hmm. and, and did her duo. So this happens all over the world. But they stepped up and everybody in here said, I can fix lights, I can do wiring. We've made improvements to this place physically and, and literally. And I honestly think the shows we've been doing since January are probably some of the best shows, and I'm including the entire seven years that have ever been done here. And I think a lot of it is because we knew what was at stake. Sometimes you're not sure what you have until you're about to lose it. And we almost lost it. So we literally have pulled this up. And since then, um, many of us have written shows. I directed a show. I came up with a concept and directed and, and did a show. We had a blast. So we, when you talk about community theater, if this isn't the definition, I don't know what is. Yeah, and I think that story is just so inspiring because no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, I think with the way technology is today and kind of our society's going, it can be very isolating. And I think oh, we're yes. all lacking community. So oh, if yeah. anything, it can inspire somebody to go find that community where they feel like a family. Do you believe that anyone can be funny? A thousand percent. Because I think the, one of the first things I tell people, this is not a joke class. And there were people in here, Alex, it's in our class, um, looks just like Chris Pratt. Oh, he does. Oh, he my does. gosh. I keep telling people, I'm teaching Chris Pratt improv. Um, he's adorable. But he's done stand-up. And a lot of stand-ups will take this because if they forget their set, they want to be able to think on their feet. And you can tell, I, I always know when I have a stand-up in my class because they're, they're joke tellers, which is fine. And he's actually a very good improviser. Mm -hmm. But I tell you, don't be funny. Don't look for the line. You know what's funny <laughs> about that? But I'm <laughs> Somebody was asking me one day what I do. Yeah. And I was trying to explain that I do content, I do a bunch of stuff, right. sometimes I do skits. And they were like, so you're funny. And I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not funny. Yeah. And he started cracking up. Right. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. And it, because the being funny, I think everybody in some point in life, even unintentionally, is funny. And I find, I find more funny in a lot of other things that other people might not even see. Because honest to God, at the end of the day, life is hilarious. Yeah. Because honestly, and if you don't laugh, you're going to cry a little bit. Because 
It, is, it just is. But have you ever had a comic or somebody that you really like to watch either do their stand-up or they're an actor in a sitcom, and you see them interviewed and you're like, oh, this is going to be funny, and they're not. Like, wait, what? Because there's, there is something to be said, too, about kind of being on and being on the stage, if you will. Mm -hmm. But it's, and, and you know in your classes, right, you guys will do scenes and there will be lines that are really funny and I will stop afterwards and I'll even, I've even said the line back. That line wasn't funny. You couldn't go put that in somebody's stand-up set, but the interaction you guys created, you found the humor in it and you found the funny. It's more like how you say it in the context right. of saying it versus what you're actually saying. When people come and they take a class and they go, I don't know about this, I'm not, I'm not really funny. My answer is fantastic. Don't come and be funny. Yeah. Don't look for the joke. This is the only time you take a class where the teacher says, please empty your head. Mm -hmm. And the, the funny comes. You guys have had a lot of laughs. But if you think back, there's no repeatable joke to go tell your friends. No, right? no, there's not. It's just, you're just laughing the whole class. Because honestly. it is. It's the content and it's the context. Mm -hmm. So I do, I think sometimes some of the most people that in life will appear to be the most serious are some of the funniest people. See, I'm a very serious person mm -hmm. in general, but and I never thought I was funny. So you're very that, funny on stage, though. Thank you. It's, See, a, I, don't, I don't think of myself as funny, though, and so that's why I think it's interesting because I believe that comedy can be learned, and, and I do being too. funny can be learned. Sure. But what are the elements of it? I'm sure you have an idea. And and I, if you went to, we still have bookstores, right, or a library somewhere. Um, or Google, you could find a thousand books on how to write a joke. There's a thousand and one books on how to do improv. There's two or three that are worth buying. Mm. Because they're not, there are some, I can teach you the basics in this six week class, right? The basics don't go on for two semesters of improv. I guarantee somebody's out there doing it and charging you for it, but that's not it. The basics have been very simple. We spent the first five weeks on a lot of those basics. Now I'm going to show you how to put together the show you're going to do. And that's all you need. And I, I'm a little biased because I fall in love with every one of my classes. Um, and not for the reasons people would think. But I have not had a showcase yet that has not, every single person in them has made me laugh out loud. Yeah. And one of the guys in one of our showcases, his wife had him take the class because he is painfully, painfully shy. And there would be times in the middle of a scene he would stop and go, I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm like, that's good. Don't worry about it. At the end of his showcase, he said, I want to do this again. I should have picked harder games to play. <laughs> what I love is even out of this little six-week class, everyone that I have taught, they have become friends. To the point of family. To the point of, in the last one, someone gave someone else in their class a job. Wow. Hired them, and they're doing phenomenal. That's awesome. This is, this is why I teach the class. It's a bonding experience, and I've, it is. I've already, I already feel that. Like, you get close with people quicker. Mm -hmm. You do. Yeah. You do. Well, because you have to stand up here together, scared to death. Yeah, in these moments when you're uncomfortable, and right. you have to lean on them to have your back if you blank on something. Right. And, mo like, they always will. Like, I haven't had a time when I feel like, it's just dead silent, and everyone looks at me and is like, what the heck is she doing? No, no not at all. Someone's going to interject in some way. Right. Or, worst case scenario, like you say, 
I failed. Exactly. Take and your failure bow and we will applaud you for yes, it. Yes, yes. I do Wait, that at explain work. Explain that, actually. Explain the failure bow because I think a failure bow can help you in life a lot. Well, I've been because thinking about that. I've been telling my children since they were kids when something went wrong and they failed, I'm like, good for you. Yes. You tried. Mm -hmm. Everybody fails. And if someone tells you they don't fail, they're a liar. Yeah. We all fail. I fail at my job that I've been doing for years still. But you know what? If I stood up and yelled, I failed and asked for applause, they'd have me take a vacation. Yeah. So, so what, what is a, a failure bow is getting yourself stuck, realizing you did something wrong, because an improv wrong is very relative, or you maybe you said something you shouldn't have said. Stop, acknowledge it, and own it. Take a bow, and we will cheer you on. And you know what? That's where you learn. You know, you don't always Set learn when things go well. You'll learn, you know, when, when I'm teaching you guys how to listen and specifically when I taught you how to agree, we did an exercise where I would not let you agree. Yeah, I remember right? that. Because that was hard. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you fail now in this class so you feel the uh, icky, awkward of, of, of fighting. And then I have not had, I rarely have to remind you guys in class to agree. Because right. I think sometimes when you, you know, when you feel the nasty of it and then you go, well, I don't, I don't like that. I want to do it the other way. But then you survive it too. And you're That's like, just you know it. what? Like I survived the most awkward moment yes. I could have had and I'm still here. I'm still getting back up on stage. And, and you still even got laughs. You can keep going. You know, you don't avoid it anymore right. because right. it happened and you survived. <laughs> and, and I've told some of the, some of the funniest scenes that have come out of our class have been out of complete failure. Failure is something to be leaned into, not avoided. Nobody's ever died in one of my classes, um, not from failure anyway, but y y lean into the failure. Try something and see what happens. I mean, yeah, if you don't try, yes. and then it's not going to happen. Yeah. Then you did fail, yeah. and there's no progress being made. Exactly, and there are thousands of people that we all think are overnight successes in this world that took decades to get where they are. Yeah. So, but lean into the failure. Come take a class. See how it feels. And, and take you know, a class or do the thing that's outside your comfort zone that you've been wanting to do. Whatever it may it's be. It's never too late, by the way, too. I started doing improv in my 50s. I wasn't doing any theater for a while before that because I was raising kids and working. And I and was a single mom for a long time. They have a fantastic dad, but I was full-time mom. I don't think that it's always, you know, in this specifically improv comedy. Yeah performing most of the time it's not about yeah nobody's getting rich yeah. and that's not why we do it I mean there you know there are some people that are bigger names but there's not a lot of improv that you know what I mean it's mostly yeah. theaters like this and people do it because they love it um, and it's fun and there is no better feeling in the world to me than getting a laugh it is like especially when you don't see it coming and someone laughs at what you say you're like oh mm -hmm. okay Nice. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, my youngest son was football, football, football. He was a starting center on his football team, and he played youth football, and he played all through middle school age, and his first two years of high school, and then he had to take an elective. And his sister said, just take the improv class. There's no homework. So begrudgingly, he said, fine. And three weeks in, he came home. He goes, I don't want to play football anymore because he got a laugh, mm -hmm. and he's funny, and you don't get a concussion in improv. Okay, so I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. One theme that I've noticed and I think that it ties into the average person being funny and figuring out how to be funny, mm -hmm. and it's self-awareness. I've oh, yeah. noticed from day one that you are very, very self-aware, and that's one of the oh, things I admired about you oh as like gosh, a teacher and like a performer. But I think that self-awareness plays into finding 
you're funny. It does, and being comfortable in who you are. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, I'm very aware of who I am within the circle of Spitfire, right? I, and then maybe that's what you mean by self-aware. I'm fully aware I'm, I'm older than, there's a handful of us that are older than the, a lot of the people here. It's a very young group, as a lot of theaters are. Um, and I play to that instead of avoiding it. Um, but I, I think it gives you, it gives you the freedom to be yourself. And so that self-awareness is something you're, again, you lean into it and you're more comfortable with it instead of trying to avoid it. Well, exactly. I think it, it's a burden to carry when you avoid a part of yourself mm -hmm. or you don't accept it. And I, but I think one of the things I've been thinking about that you said in one of the classes was to be very aware of who you are in the context of a scene or a situation or a scenario right. and use it to your advantage. I'm fully aware that when I walk out here, whether I'm doing stand-up or I'm doing improv, I look like your mother or your high school principal. I get that. Stereotype right. yourself. But it's okay. I've, I've earned it. You know, people are like, oh, you're getting older. Thank God. Because the alternative would really stink. <laughs> I'm very happy with, I probably like myself more now imperfection and all than I ever did. And I think with age, it sounds very hokey and very cliche. It does bring some wisdom. What it brings is a freedom to go, eh, you know, I am who I am and I do what I like and ride along or get out, kind of. Yeah. That's, I've become my mother. My mother just channeled right through me. I think that's a great mindset to have yeah. though. And, and, and I tell young, very young people that will come. But I am very aware. And when I teach you guys, I talk about how you behave on stage. I personally, and this is my personal thing, I'm not a dirty blue, if you want to call it. I don't curse on stage a lot. First of all, there's nothing inherently wrong. They're just words. But is it bringing value to anything you're doing? Or is it a, are people laughing because that was clever or because yeah. you just made them uncomfortable? Because I've laughed uncomfortably like like, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think if you're going to do certain things, earn it. And I think sometimes the example I make, I can watch Kevin Hart and laugh my head off. I'm sure you've seen him. If I came out and spoke like him, in the, the terms of the language he uses, it would be very off-putting mm -hmm. because I'm very aware of who I am and how do I appear. That doesn't limit me saying, well, I can't do that because I don't talk like that and I'm not dirty and I'm not really young. And it's, it's kind of freeing to understand who I am and then take all the tools in that belt and use them. Right. I've lived a lot of stuff that I wouldn't wish on anybody. And oddly, in my family, that's funny stuff. I mean, we're, we're not good at your funerals because we will find the funny. That sounds terrible, but in the lives that, and my dad and my mom passed away, they were amazing people and they were funny. So inappropriate jokes were made, but it's still funny. <laughs> inappropriate jokes were <laughs> I don't know how made. to say it. But I mean, but I, but I do talk about kind of earning who you are on stage. You know, there used to be a guy named Gallagher, if people know them. They knew when they went to his shows, he was gonna yell and scream, he was gonna break open watermelons and in the front yeah. row, you were gonna get wet. If Seinfeld came out and did that, people would ask for their money back. Yeah, yeah. It's not who he is. Right. So that has never limited him, though. Mm -hmm. He is very self-aware, and he has used it to the umph of degree and, and made a good thing out of it. So I wanted to do this at the beginning. I wanted to play, play an improv game or do an improv exercise. And, yeah, we can do that. An exercise. What, which one do you think would be good for us to do? We can talk about third thought. Third thought? We talked about that earlier. Okay. The thing about third thought, 
I use it every day. I use it at work. I literally use it in my job. Okay, yeah, so to give you guys context, explain okay. third thought. Well, third thought is, is relating words to bring forth a full idea. Taking words and in your own personal mind, where does that word lead you to create a picture? But we yeah. get suggestions from the audience. If somebody gives me the suggestion and we ask for a word and they say squirrel, Nobody wants to see me do a scene about a squirrel. Yeah, it'd be boring. How boring. And I don't know anything about squirrels. So in my head, I'm thinking squirrels make me think of trees. Trees make me think of nuts. So now so I've, got a, I've got an animal in a park, and I've got a tree, and I've got a place. What else goes on there? Okay. So we okay. call it third thought, but it can be, to me, it's fourth, fifth, sixth, but in the form of an exercise, and we've done this. So if I were to give you a word... Um, and I just said chairs. And I would say chairs, chairs makes, makes me think of sitting. Sitting makes me think of relaxing. Relaxing makes me think of tired. Tired makes me think of age. Age makes me think of birthdays. Birthdays makes me think of parties. Parties makes me think of drinking. Drinking makes me think of throwing up. <laughs> throwing up makes me think of regret. <laughs> Regret makes me think of emotions. Emotions makes me think of children. Children make me think of money. <laughs> money makes me think of dollars. Dollars makes me think of banks. Banks makes me think of tellers. Tellers makes me think of drive-throughs. Drive-throughs makes me think of cars. Cars makes me think, think of racing. Okay. We're at racing. We started with chair. Yeah. Right. And, and you could go on. Like, we could have done that for you, two you, hours. And, and literally, this is, I, I have played this in the car, but you can imagine a crowd that's had several beers, the kind of suggestions we get. My daughter had the suggestion one time. They said, Megan has lost something. What did she lose? And the genius in the back row yelled, sex, because they're always smarter and funnier <laughs> than we are. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, but to her credit, she was in a scene with a lady that was old enough to like be her mom, and she's like, Mom, I lost it. She made sex a physical thing that she had to be help, have help looking for. Mm. So it became, well, where did you last have it? Where did you use it last? It's always in the last place you look, and it made it funnier. That's interesting. I think I've noticed that in comedy there's kind of, you can walk a line, and something that could seem overtly like too much, like too sexual, yes. too intense, Yes. you can make it funny by dialing it back a little bit and yes. weaving through the nuance and yes. the gray area. And, and I like, because people know who I am, I like when they throw me the curveball. Yeah. We're improvisers. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about the suggestion. Yeah. We'll just see where it goes that's the fun is coming out here standing here and waiting to see what you're going to be told and then making something out of it i remember who i did shows with i don't always remember what happened in the show i think that's very poetic because it goes hand in hand with life like you don't always remember the context of the scenario but you know how remember how right. people made you feel there's even t-shirts with that on it i wish i'd thought of it Maybe we'll make a t-shirt and we'll wear it. That's right. And it's true. You don't, you don't always remember what somebody said, but you know how that made you feel. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's nothing sharper than the tongue when it comes to hurting people. I'd rather be punched. I literally would <laughs> yeah, rather be same. hit literally. than have somebody emotionally tear me down. That's a much my, longer recovery. Literally. My last challenge was jujitsu, and it's like, you know, it can hurt sometimes, but sometimes that's, like, easier than conquering a mental fear it's not if personal. that makes sense like well if somebody like in, throws you on the mat it's not personal yeah in jujitsu you're like physically like wrestling basically sure. and like a lot of the stuff it could hurt physically 
but almost in a way, improv is harder because it's it's a mental it is pain, not yeah. pain because I'm not like suffering up here, no. but like it's a barrier in a different way. Well, one of the number one fears, and we've heard this for decades for people, is speaking in front of large crowds. Yeah. I feel like we could keep this conversation going for <laughs> literally hours because everything you say, I'm like, oh, we could go into that. We could go yeah. into that. We could go into that. But I want to give you an opportunity to ask, do you have any questions for me? I want to know what, what's, I mean, you, the things I've seen you do, you've done yeah. some physical stuff in jujitsu and other things. Yeah. Just, it sounds overly simple. Why improv? Why improv? Good question. Have you ever done theater before of any kind? So... I think I've always wanted to do theater. I was very into sports mm -hmm. in high school, so that was like my life. Sure. Sports were my life. I danced when I was younger until I was like 12. And in early on, I did some theatrical dances where I was doing duets and I was kind of a character and I had to do like a lot of acting yeah. and like little kid acting on stage throughout the dance. So like it's always been something I've wanted to do and kind of in a way came naturally to me. But yeah. I have this very major mental block around it. And I don't know if it, it's, I think confidence plays into it. I think just getting in front of a crowd plays into it. Mm -hmm. Self-awareness, like I've gained a lot of self-awareness over the past few years, but I think that all plays into it. And so improv, being an overthinker, I was like, I want to do something that forces me to not overthink. Mm -hmm. Because you can't. Like right. I remember like in class, sometimes I'll, you'll say we're going to do a scene and I'm like, okay, I have to think about what I'm going to do. And that's like my first initial just automatic thought is I right. start planning. Right. But I have noticed that I have to turn that off. Otherwise, yeah. I don't hear what the person says to me or I don't think of anything and then I go up there and I'm like, <laughs> like what mm -hmm. am I going to do? Mm -hmm. So it's been a mental challenge and I think that was just something I, I wanted to so what's easier for you doing those types of things or doing this? Because obviously you're obviously very comfortable. You're very, I noticed this, you're very in class. You're very poised. You're, there are some people that are very, I like watching that person. There, yeah. There's an ease about you that makes it fun to watch you do whatever you're doing when okay. you're doing scenes and everything. Thank Funny you. lines, whatever, you're, you have a poise about you. So is that easier or is the camera thing easier? I think there's a lot of nuance to that. Um, I feel like the poise that you're describing may be innate because I actually feel very uncomfortable a lot of the time. That you would never know it. I mean, I say that very sincerely. You don't, you don't, there's that body language. Yeah. You, you don't cower in, you don't turn away. When people tuck their head down when they come yeah, up to do a yeah. scene, I know. And you don't do that. Okay. Well, I have been trying to become more aware of that because like, I've been like, okay, posture gives more of a confident vibe. And I'm like over the table, like Java the Hutt over here, you know? <laughs> so when you, after this improv class is over, yeah. do you have your next thing planned? Are you gonna do some improv? Cause you could. I know a place. Oh, I um, most definitely will keep doing either improv or get more into acting stuff. Good. I actually haven't decided what I wanna do yet. You know, there are there are seasons to everything. I, that's how I, I see life as, as a, huge myriad of seasons and when I was a mom to three little kids that are you know my kids are 26 25 23 so from 96 until like 2004 I changed diapers seasons eras like life is filled with them yeah I like seasons because think of the drastic change we get between 
the warm summer and then fall comes in and then if you live where my kids in Chicago, winter hits you in the face. I'm from Ohio. <laughs> but like everything else, seasons change. Yeah. And leaves fall and they die, but people drive to see the dying leaves. Mm-hmm because it's a change and it's beautiful, and then the green comes. Yeah, I think one of the things actually that held me back and why I really like sharing this type of stuff is that I had a very all or nothing mindset around a lot of things. Like if I'm gonna do acting, I have to be trying to be the next Jennifer Aniston, you know, instead of, who knows? Maybe it's just a hobby. Maybe you're it's Molly. Okay. Like, you're Molly you, Lipschitz from, you know. Yeah, from, like what are you getting out of it? It's yeah. more about that than anything. So it is. If you were to say something to someone who's thinking about doing, whether it's improv, trying a new hobby, something mm-hmm. outside of their comfort zone, what would you say to them? This sounds really overly simple. Follow your feet, which is a solid improv thing. Just go sign up. It, don't when you're thinking about taking an improv class. Don't think about the six weeks. Go to a screen, your phone, your computer, and sign up. That's all you have to do. Go find a dance class and sign up. Just do the dang thing. That's it. Don't think about the first class or the fifth class. Or I think some people think, oh, I'd like to try dancing. And then maybe there's going to be a recital. And after that recital, where would I ever dance? I'm not good enough to be part of a company. Oh, my God. Slow down. Yeah. Sign up. Step one. That's right all now. I want you what to do. do right now? And if you, you know, come to, if you want to take an improv class, Nothing would makes my heart, and I cannot tell you how literally I mean that, makes my heart happier, and come sign up for a class. The next one I have, I think, is full. But go to Spitfire Comedy House, sign up for a class. That's all I want you to do is sign up, and then put the date on your calendar. And then that day, go to the first class. That's all you got to do. It sounds really simple, and the things in life that we struggle with the most are usually really simple. They're not always easy mm-hmm. to do, but they're really simple. I'm really grateful that I grew up in a time where the world didn't constantly ask me, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Where are you going to be? What are you going to live? What are you going to have? I'm really grateful I grew up in a time where we got to sit around and talk to our friends and decide together who we were. And nobody told us. And I'm excited that you're doing, you on your own are trying to figure out who you're going to be and trying a bunch of things. I think you are extremely inspirational to people of every age. But especially, I hope young people watch this and go, Taekwondo and improv, how'd you make that leap? What the (laughs) hell were you thinking? Like, wait a second, the juxtaposition's great. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. We we live in a very comparative world. Well, Well, don't we... Who puts their worst day on Facebook? Right, it's hard. Sometimes you know? I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a thing on Facebook and from me getting up and groaning and not wanting to go and go to work, follow me. Follow me, counsel somebody for a $15 an hour job. It's a hoot. <laughs> Nobody puts that on Facebook right. or Instagram or yeah. TikTok or any of the other places we fight with strangers. Mm-hmm. Put it away. Sign up and go the first day. Absolutely. Well, that was... Hopefully that inspires somebody to just do the thing. So, Very much. Carolyn, yes. thank you so thank much you. for being on wonderful. the Passion Project. This You're is awesome. You're awesome, Hallie. Love and you. I'll see you on Sunday. Yes, I will. <laughs> Don't be late.